Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 81, released on September 28th, 2011. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good mate, Scotty V. Hi, Scotty. Hello. What's happening, everybody? How are you? Uh, what's new in the world of Scotty V? Well, we're, <laughs> we're having a little bit of flooding here. My power was actually off, and uh, it just came back on, as fate would have it, to record this wonderful broadcast for all of you. Yeah, and I believe you had some car troubles recently, too. Yes, indeed. My, <laughs> we were going to record last night, and the car broke down, and I was waiting for a tow for about three and a half hours, and I was two hours away from home, so even by the time I got the tow and then drove all the way home, it was about a six-hour deal. So what time did you get home that morning? I got home about three in the morning. Uh, and what time did you have to get up to go to work or what have you? Uh, well, I woke up with the kids uh, around... Uh, 8.30. It wasn't too bad. Okay, not too bad. So they slept in a little bit to give you a bit of, uh, bit of uh, Z time. A little bit, yeah. That was good. <laughs> Excellent. All right, let's get into our discussion topics. Uh, we've uh, not got that much uh, news on the Man of Steel movie. Um, it's gone a little bit quiet in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they were filming in Chicago for most of September, um, having completed their um, filming in Plano, Illinois. Uh, they moved to Chicago, and we saw a, you know, a bit more, as would be expected, a few more photos from people, uh, you know, fans in the street with their iPhones or their cameras or what have you, taking pictures of what they could. Uh, we saw photos of uh, Henry Cavill as Clark Kent without his spectacles, without the glasses on, riding a bike, um, and, and possibly a, a Daily Planet design in the foyer of uh, one of the buildings there that was being... Uh, used as the interior for the Daily Planet. Uh, what did you make of some of those photos? Well, I like the uh, the Daily Planet photo. I think uh, makes it look really cool, really mm-hmm. modern. Yeah, um, I like the the globe look. It's it harkens back to the Donner film, which might be a problem for some people, <laughs> and even to me. I, I mean, I thought we were we were you know it was said that these were a departure, that these were their own thing, and that they did not have a connection to anything previously seen, which may be the case. It could just be a coincidence, or maybe he just really liked that look or that idea, or maybe he even did some uh, research and saw that some newspaper-type businesses tend to have that. Who knows? But, uh, you know, that's an issue that I think aesthetically it's very pleasing, but you could also say, why does it have to look the same? What, as, what, uh, what do you think it looks the same? Well, the globe in the middle of the – it doesn't look the same. It looks very different. Uh, It looks more modernized. It looks uh, cooler, more artsy. But but, uh, the idea of having that that round globe, you know, where Lois and Clark walk past it and he says, well – yeah, well, I think that was uh, that's actually the interior of the uh, of the Daily News building as it stands. It's not actually a set for Superman the movie. Uh, that's the, how the interior of the building actually looks. Uh, the Daily News building in New York. So um, where this is more like a, um, I guess, a monument or a, a some kind of a foyer design. That's um, you know obviously of a much smaller scale than what was in Superman the movie. Right. Well, at least from what we can tell. I mean, yeah. it might expand, but at the moment, <laughs> that one picture that we got, yeah. I think it looks like a cool lobby or, or, or main thoroughfare yep. where they might be walking through. And I like the big glass uh, window looking out onto the street yeah. uh, as a uh, set piece. So that looks uh, looks kind of cool. Now, what about and, the speculation uh, about Clark not wearing glasses? I mean, we don't know what 
whether that's actually filming, whether that was just um, you know them going through the run of uh, you know blocking out the scene, uh, or whether he actually won't be wearing glasses at some point in the movie because he doesn't yet have a secret identity or doesn't need to disguise himself. Yeah, I mean, it seems again we've mentioned how uh, it can be construed as silly to jump to conclusions about yeah. grainy cell phone pictures and, and rumor and speculation. Um, I, I was listening to the Howard Stern program from back in April uh, on my way home in the car today, and, and he was talking about a news story that Robin did relating to the new Man of Steel movie. Now, keep in mind, this was back in April, so we're still we're a little further along now. But the idea was that you know what's the deal? Why are they doing Zod again? Why is it an origin story again? Why is Lex Luthor trying to have Miss Tessmacher? No one ever heard of Miss Tessmacher. She's not a character from the mo- from the comic book. She was made up in those old Christopher Reeve movies. And why are we doing a rehash? And the thing is, I don't even know where they got that from. But the, <laughs> the idea we had this rumor running on our site, or that that it had come from somewhere else that Lindsay Lohan was reading for a part. And apparently their news story or what they had heard was that she was up for the part of Miss Tessmacher playing <laughs> us alongside Lex Luthor. And as far as I know, there has never even yet been mention of Lex Luthor. No, there hasn't. Uh, and so whatever this rumor was, it was a large rumor. And, and, and as far as we know so far, unless they're keeping it hidden, which if they are, I, I applaud them. There is no Lex Luthor in this movie, or maybe he'll show up and be a small thing. But it's how rumors go with the internet and everything else. Yeah. Uh, to say all of a sudden that we've seen some pictures of Clark Kent and he doesn't have glasses on, so this version of Clark Kent's not going to have glasses. It seems like a kind of a leap. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't know what the what the whole story is. We don't know exactly where they're going with the plot. We know it's early in his career. We know he's trying to establish his place in the world. We know uh, that he may or may not be wearing glasses, but he isn't in some of these shots. That's really all, all we know. know. Exactly. Uh, so for me, it's like Clark sometimes doesn't wear glasses, so I don't mind seeing pictures where he's not wearing glasses. Further, if he's riding a bike around uh, Metropolis in a bustling city, it's possible that he would take his glasses off you know, so that they didn't get lost or fall off you know i don't know but you know there's any any number of yeah explanations for exactly that. We're all and just the one that i've heard the most that sounds like it's reasonable is that he hasn't yet decided to wear them yeah the issue with that is of course that now he's grown up and he's in metropolis and people have seen him and he's been on the road and so it's kind of a little late to be putting on a disguise but on the other hand and i've used this argument before most people in most major cities or even where I live in a small rural you know, uh, area whatever uh, or a countrified area, don't notice you. You walk around. They don't care what you look like. They don't yeah. care if you're wearing glasses or not. They're not looking to see if you happen to look like someone they know from down the street. Exactly. So when Superman flies up and he's this godlike being in this colorful uniform and he's got all these powers, no one's thinking, hmm, I wonder what person this guy might be. Let me start looking at people on the street yeah, and see yeah. if maybe he is one of them. Yeah, nobody necessarily knows that Superman has a secret identity or an alternate identity. So, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Now, uh, they've also, this, after Chicago, which uh, they're pretty much wrapped up now as we record this, uh, they're moving to Canada where they'll be filming in uh, Nanaimo and Euclid in uh the Vancouver Island area, and uh, supposedly one of these scenes they'll be filming is for an Alaskan fishing village, 
Um, and ex- again, we don't know how that fits into the movie, what part of the movie, what time of the part of the timeline it fits in. But uh, we do know that they are filming there, and, and it will be an Alaskan fishing village that they'll be filming uh, the scene for. Yeah, it sounds. I mean, I like I like a Superman movie that that globe trots. I yeah. like the idea of seeing many different places and. And I mean, the guy can, with his powers, has the ability to go anywhere he wants. And uh, why shouldn't we, in a movie, see many different locations and and see some of his travels? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the early rumors was that we were going to see something of a birthright story, maybe mixed with. Uh, now we're saying maybe mixed with some of the uh, J. Michael Straczynski story, and and uh, and now they're going to mix that and maybe make something new you know, kind of based on that. Mm -hmm. And in that story, uh, he travels, you know, before he wears the suit, before he's Superman, he's traveling the world. He's learning about places and different cultures. And I think, um, an Alaskan fishing village is a, is a different kind of lifestyle. It's, it's farming to an extent, which Clark has been used to all his life. He's lived on a farm, you know, uh, but they're farming for fish and they're, they're kind of like farmers. They live a simple life. They they fish for a living. They you know uh, maybe maybe that's what we'll see. But a comparison, perhaps um, whether it's more difficult, whether it's just as easy, whether it's hard, you know whatever it is mm. to live in a fishing village in Alaska is something that I think a young reporter maybe traveling the world, learning about things, might find interesting might find a story to write about there and and there might that might it might be something it could be something along those lines so my interest is peaked hmm. and i'm uh, excited to see where they might go i mean they might they might go nowhere near what i just said but that <laughs> just just some ideas of where it could be. Yeah, exactly. And it just, it just goes to show that there are a, ra- a wide range of possibilities for all these settings where they're filming. So uh, we can speculate and have fun doing that, but uh, we'll have to wait and see exactly what uh, those scenes uh, end up being in the movie. Now, um, a bit of uh, surprising news was uh, the, uh, a recasting uh, of the role of Lara, uh, Superman's Kryptonian mother, Um Julia Ormond was originally named as being cast in the role, but uh, she's now been replaced by Ayelet Zura. I'm not sure if that's how you actually actually pronounce the name, but she's an Israeli actress who uh, starred in, uh, I think it was Angels and Demons or one of those um, films uh, in that franchise. And, um, I mean, she still looks the part and everything, but there's been no um, explanation as to why Julia Ormond was uh, replaced or, and and uh, Ayelet Zura has been recast in the role as Lara. Yeah, so I'm looking at the uh, picture now uh, that we have up on the site from September 25th. Um, she looks, I mean, she's a beautiful actress. Um, certainly could can play the role of Laura. Uh, Lara, I'm not sure why um, either, you know, since we don't have a reason uh, what happened with Julia Ormond. But uh, certainly Julia is a name that people have heard, at least mm. I have. I mean, uh, as far as being... Um, a little more well known. It could could be anything. Again, uh, we start talking about it and we get into rumors, and you know. But it could be salary. It could be she's too busy. It could be the schedule doesn't doesn't work, or, or maybe I mean I've heard uh, of actors. You know, in the case of something like Back to the Future, um, where Michael J. Fox wasn't even the first actor to play the role yep. of Marty McFly, and and because they decided it just wasn't working, they actually uh, recast. 
brought brought him in later. They yeah. had already filmed some stuff, so yeah. I, anything could be the case. But um, well, it happened in Smallville yeah. with uh, with Martha Kent. You know, they uh, Cynthia yeah. Edinger was the original Martha, uh, and then uh, obviously they uh, shot the whole pilot and everything, and then recast and and put, um, of course, um, having a mental blank on her name. Annette O'Toole. Annette O'Toole. How could I forget Annette mm-hmm. O'Toole? Yeah. Um, and obviously that, again, was probably because of the fact that, you know, she was a recognized name for, and being, you know, a character from Superman 3, an actress from that movie, she, it maybe it seemed to fit uh, fit what they were pl- trying to do. But, um, you know, we don't know. We're only speculating. So uh, all we do know is that Ailet Zura has now been uh, cast in the role of Lara in place of Julia Ormond. And we'll... Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll hear probably down the line uh, what happened there, but uh, if not, uh, we'll wait and see just how that pans out. Uh, maybe there was more chemistry between her and, and Russell Crowe. Uh, who knows? Well, that's definitely a thing. You know, I was going to say uh, being involved in some theatre and, and uh, some movie work myself and, and, and knowing directors and, and, and studying theatre, you certainly look for two actors uh, and, and a lot of times a whole cast of actors, five, six, ten actors that work well together that on film look like they could be related, look like they really have chemistry together. Um, if, if, if it's in the case of Lara and Jorel, could be look like they really are husband and wife who are, who are really close on the same wavelength, who really have the same feelings about things. Depending on their role in the film, if that kind of thing is, is really – I mean – in the Donner film, there really wasn't anything going on with Jorel and Lara. It was kind of like he was there, he put the ship together, and Lara came walking down with the baby, and that was the end of it. Mm. There wasn't any kind of kismet between anybody. Nothing was – there was no romance really shown. I mean he puts his arm around her as the camera's rising up and the, the things being destroyed. But we don't really have to see anything in terms of story or plot or feeling or – you know, mm. our, our feelings there are solely on – Wow, this would suck if our planet was being destroyed and we had to send our our baby away. But but we don't really get a sense of how close those two are or what their romance is or how their life is. And it could be a timing thing. It could be a a, a chemistry thing. But uh, certainly it happens and and it's not it's not necessarily anything horrendously negative. It's It's not a cause for concern at all. Although I'm sure that we will hear if we haven't heard already. What? She doesn't have red hair? You know. <laughs> but uh, it'll be interesting because uh, she's an Israeli-born actress, and I don't know what her accent is like, but uh, Russell Crowe is obviously uh, a New Zealand-born Australian who obviously has an Australian accent. And uh, it'll be interesting because, I mean, Krypton is not America. So, you know, will, what will their accents be? What, you know, it'll be interesting to see just how Kryptonians talk. Oh, it was all British in the Donner film, right? Everybody yeah, was everybody was very British. That British accent. So, I mean, for me, it, it seems like um, if you if now that we're, I don't know that we're in more of a. Some people would disagree with me, but maybe a, a more uh, complicated um, movie telling world now. Like maybe 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 movies are more advanced now in some cases that maybe we'll actually see that they speak Kryptonian. Uh, in some way, you know, I would mm. what, something I would like to see is is maybe they start the scene with them speaking in Kryptonian with with subtitles, yep. and then and then maybe switch it yeah. as they go as we get the the idea that that's what they're doing. Yeah. So now we can switch over to English just so that 
you're aware that every alien in the universe doesn't speak English. Yep. It's um, interesting if idea. You read the, if you read the comics, you see that a lot. It yeah. says translated from Kryptonian. Yeah, but yeah. In the movies and on TV, in a lot of cases so far, we haven't really seen any Kryptonian. In Smallville, they went into it a lot. But but even on the planet, they weren't speaking in Kryptonian. No. They did have a Kryptonian language, but any time they showed scenes, they were speaking in English, yeah. which is generally understood in sci-fi. Yeah, for sure. It's just a, you know, it's, it's a caveat that they use. It's a dramatic license. But you can imagine yourself that they're speaking in another language, but it might be kind of cool. Or maybe uh, even if the whole entirety of Krypton was, was subtitled, I mean, uh, would that make it more artsy? Would that make it more, more a uh, – uh, an Oscar-worthy type film that has subtitles. Not to say that it's going to win or that it would be in that category, but the idea that a lot of these movies that are critically acclaimed are subtitled, and and uh, you know the critics don't seem to have a problem with it. Sometimes the layman audience member has difficulty accepting that they have to watch a whole movie where there are subtitles, and that's mm. why I'm saying maybe not the whole movie, but maybe. Maybe just part of it or just to get the idea or maybe just on that planet. I don't know how much of it's going to be on Krypton. If it's half the movie, I think that might turn some people off. But I kind of like the idea of experimentation on it and and doing something along those lines. But this doesn't even cover the the accents. As far as accents go, there's no reason why just like – on Smallville's version of Krypton, there were were different races – you know, there's no reason why everyone has to be white. There's no reason why everybody has to be one accent or one from one region. There would be different regions of Krypton, just the just as there are different regions of Earth. So, yeah. you know, Jor-El could easily be a uh, Kansas-styled speaking voice, where Lara is, uh, you know, an Israeli-styled speaking voice. So there's there's no reason not that they're from Israel and Kansas because they're from Krypton, but there could be places where yeah, Those they have different voices. Yeah, more yeah. diversity. But uh, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. But that's uh, all the news covering Man of Steel. Now, the only other movie uh, talk that's uh, going on there at the moment is uh, Justice League Doom, the next animated feature from Warner Brothers Home Video, um, is going to be released early in 2012. But they're going to be showing some footage at the New York Comic Con um, in October. So. Um, We'll wait and see uh, whether that's a trailer or what that might be. But, um, yeah, so waiting for Justice League Doom, the next animated feature from Warner Brothers. That looks very exciting. I, I saw the, the you know the stills that were released and, mm-hmm. and the artwork for it looks cool. It's It looks a little more Silver Agey maybe or, or old style, uh, less, less modern, but, uh, you know, whatever that means. Yeah, but, but uh, uh, there's a great cast, a uh, voice cast of, you know, of Tim Daly as Superman and... Uh, yeah, so uh, and uh, it's based on the Tower of Babel story um, from the comic book. So um, it'll be interesting to see just how that pans out, but it, it is looking pretty good. It looks really neat, and I like the idea of having different art styles on each of these movies. You know, mm. it's neat to have some continuity when you watch a show like like uh, Superman the Animated Series. It looks the same week after week. You know, it's the same universe. You know, it's the same characters. But it's also neat to see a different take on it. Yeah. A yeah, different exactly. look, especially when they're standalone movies and they're still the same characters, but 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 it's neat. It doesn't get stale that way. It's, yep. you know, a need to look at. Sure. Now, uh, moving away from movie discussions, uh, on television we've got Young Justice has returned to Cartoon Network, and I know you're pretty happy about that because you're a fan of the show. Uh, and we've had 
two episodes that have aired um, since our last podcast, and they were Targets and Terrors. Uh, did you want to tackle Targets first? Sure. Uh, I <laughs> I was... I was ecstatic when this show came back on. <laughs> I actually knew it was coming back on, but kind of forgot about it. And one day I turned on my, my television and I looked in my DVR list and I was just looking for something to put on. And I saw that that uh, the new Young Justice episode was on. And I kind of, you know, if, if I wasn't so lazy, I probably would have jumped out of my seat with excitement because <laughs> I, uh, I I couldn't believe it was there. Even though I knew it was coming, I was surprised by it. And uh, I thought Targets was... Um, Really cool, and 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 do you want to guess why I thought it was the most cool so far? Um, no, Lex Luthor. Oh, okay, that. yes, for sure. That was awesome. <laughs> he stepped out of the car, and then they went to the theme song. It was the coolest opening. It was, you know, who cares about Speedy? But Lex Luthor being there, that just made the show for me. And I actually thought the showdown with uh, Speedy, who was calling himself Red Arrow. And uh, and Aqua Lad when they stopped the the body go- the, the the people attacking and then then of course they the uh, the uh, dignitaries thanked Lex Luthor <laughs> and not not the superhero it was just the coolest and it was it was uh, vintage Lex Luthor yeah, it uh, was. a businessman uh, trying to get political edge and and trying to insert himself in a place that maybe he shouldn't be but but uh, but is just that's exactly where he belongs that's where I like him that's his wheelhouse that's exactly where. Uh, I like to see Lex Luthor. And in, in a lot of ways, I thought the voice actor did a great job. In other ways, I thought it sounded maybe a little too, um, I don't know, gentle in yeah. some cases. Yeah. At some points, I thought he sounded a lot like um, the Lex Luthor from the animated series, Clancy Brown. Yeah. Not exactly, but you could tell it had that. It sounded like it had that kind of uh, inspiration voice, mm. but then, but then he, when he kind of did some of the teasing jabs that he gave to uh, Red Arrow, I thought maybe it was a little bit off. But, but still, it was so cool to see him. I thought the animation was great, and overall, I thought the actor did a pretty good job. I also loved uh, Connor and uh, and and Megan going to school and and uh, him falling off the bleachers, and I just. <laughs> I laughed. I thought it was funny, and, and uh, I had a great time watching that. Yeah, and it was interesting that uh, Mercy ends up being some kind of tech. Uh... That was weird, wasn't that weird? <laughs> uh, that whether was or not, up. whether or not she's something like the lowest bot that we saw in the in action comics recently, or whether it's yeah. just uh, part, whether you know, whether she's like a cyborg, whether she's part human, part part mechanical. We don't know, but um, yeah, yeah. That, I don't that, know if I like that or not, but it was caught it us was by definitely. Surprise. Yeah, it threw me off. It threw me for a loop a little bit. I, I was like, "What?" It's, yeah, yeah. And then the I really, I mean, I just think I, I know some people aren't watching it, and some people still have a thing with sidekicks, and that's actually a running joke on the show. People call them sidekicks, and they get mad. Uh, and and I do too. I mean, I, I get the idea that there's a little too much sometimes when you when you yeah. got all these here. I mean, first of all, if 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 I knew that there was a major diplomatic meeting going on and that people were going to be in danger and that and that there were assassins that had already tried to kill them, I think I'd be there if I was Superman. I'd be there if I was Batman. I don't I'm not sure how I can justify um any of these situations in the comics too when there's a big event happening in Flash's world why aren't the other heroes there when yeah. there's a big event happening in any of their universes? You would think that the entire Justice League 
would be there. Where is Superman anytime anything big is going down? So that's something that you, I think you just have to justify for yourself and just say, well, they're all in the same world. They must be busy. There must be big things going on all over. Whatever it is you need to do. But the cartoon itself, I mean, it really is. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Superman, the animated series. But this is really some of the best work that I've seen on a television uh, DC superhero show. I mean, I just – I love it from top to bottom. I love what they're doing. I love the intrigue. I love the mystery. And, yeah, it's about a team of kids. But I think it's a lot deeper. I think it's a lot more serious. Mm. I think there's a lot more international intrigue type stuff going on that you that you haven't seen in, in other television weekly shows that are animated, at least I haven't, yeah. in, in quite some time. Now, Terrors was this, the other uh, new episode that aired, and uh, that saw uh, Superboy and Miss Martian go undercover into a um, military, sorry, not military, a prison uh, for villains, super villains, and especially for the ice villains, they were all, you know, there was some kind of a, a plan going on. Uh, to uh, you know, for them to all to be at the same place at the same time, and and to try to get an escape going, and um, I thought that was quite interesting. The, there was a lot of interplay there. It was real cool, and of course, we saw a brand new prison uh, called Bell Rev. Uh, mm. We've never heard of that before. We've never seen it written in any manner before. And well, there's been like Bell Rev. Yeah. I think <laughs> Bell Rev. <laughs> Bell Rev. Yeah, yeah, of course, that was me being facetious. I know. But, uh, I'm not sure where that pronunciation came from, but, you know, Batman. be clear. <laughs> Obviously, the, the pe- yeah, but, I mean, the people who made the show that decided Batman was going to say it that way yeah. had to have heard it said on other cartoons yeah. and on other TV shows. But whatever, I guess they just decided to say it their own way. But uh, as far as the plot and the, and the, and the show itself, again, just – it's. It, I was surprised by it. I was excited by it. I was entertained from beginning to end. Uh, the only thing that I have a question of, and it's along the same lines as before, is if I'm Batman and Superman standing there at the beginning, do I, do I really want to not only trust them, but put them in the danger that they might be in by sending two untrained kids into Belrev, you know, where all these dangerous supervillains are, and not know how they're going to get out, not know if I'm going to be able to keep track of them. And, uh, of course, Amanda Waller says these walls could stop Superman, which uh, I'm not even going to get into that right now. But <laughs> I don't know of any wall that could stop Superman, you know, once he puts his mind to getting through it. it might, he might not be able to get through in one punch, but, you know, he could break through. But anyway – you know, knowing that they're going to be in there and knowing that these walls and, and whatever other uh, safety mechanisms they have in place to stop you if you're Superman, do you really go that step and say, well, we're just going to hang out and maybe watch the football game. You guys go in there and, uh, you know, uh, get in danger. Yeah. So that is a problem with this kind of series. That is a problem with a, a quote unquote sidekicks young team series, especially when the young team is being supervised and on yeah. all the promos, you see the the silhouetted figures of all the big people, of all the the main superheroes who are watching over them. Yeah, you could understand. It's almost, if, like, 
So I was going to say, you can understand if the teams put themselves in that position and, and you know, they, um, you know, they went in above their heads, but when they're actually being put on a, um, on an actual task by the, the Justice League themselves, then you start questioning their, uh, you know, the, res- the responsibility of these adults uh, putting these kids in, uh, in um, you know, in jeopardy. Well, exactly. I don't know. What I was going to say as I was continuing there was I've always had a problem with Bruce Wayne uh, having these kids that Mm. he takes with him and teaches them how to be Robin. I don't have a problem with Robin. I think Robin is a kid who stumbles upon Batman, finds out that he's a crime fighter and says, you know what? My parents were killed by by crime. I'm going to train with you whether you like it or not. And he you know, kind of inserts himself into that situation. And then Batman stumbles upon him in the workout room and tries to, you know, persuade him not to do it and he can't stop him. And, you know, he keeps inserting himself into the situation and Batman has to kind of deal with it. But the idea of him having a ward that's nine years old, seven years old, 12 years old, and saying, okay, come on, let's go out and almost get killed every day, seems a little bit irresponsible Mm. and that's kind of where you get into an issue with a show like this if you put all that out of your mind and you just say well they're a superhero team they're doing what superhero teams do it's really great and the the dialogue is great some of the jokes are great i laugh at it you know and and i think the music is great Mm. and and the plot i don't know why the riddler was like nine years old but uh (laughs) you know i really enjoyed it and even though i'm kind of criticizing some things uh i think that they have their due, and I and I don't think this is the first time we've been able to do that. I mean, from Batman and Robin back in the '60s, and you know, when Robin first showed up in the '40s or '50s, any of these times when you have little sidekick type things, it's an issue. Yeah, uh, but it is what it is, I guess. If you want this kind of a story, you have to get past that one way or another. So I guess the the grown-ups are deciding that that maybe they can be trusted, that that maybe they need to be given some of their own missions. And they're keeping track of them. I mean, Red Tornado was there, and and they were in audio contact uh, hmm. through telepathy, so they were able to keep track. Even if even if the fail safes went in, you know, the idea was that Miss Martian would still be able to keep her link. Yeah. Unfortunately, now. she does lose that later on. But, <laughs> but what you know. she what she gained was a, a nice, uh, passionate kiss from Superboy. Absolutely, and that was fantastic <laughs> to see. <laughs> But, and um, you know what I was thinking? Why didn't uh, Why didn't uh, Icicle Junior um, attack him right then? You know when well, he realized, a, he's he was, a, oh man, my he's, dad's going to kill me. Yeah, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll wait and see uh, what happens with uh, more Young Justice episodes, which are scheduled right throughout October. Uh, there's oh, one okay. every week on Friday nights on at six thirty on Cartoon Network in the US. So um, look for more episodes of Young Justice throughout October. Now, uh, in comic books, um, we our last podcast uh, was released at the end of uh, September. Sorry, end of uh, August, and um, since then we've had the launch of the whole new fifty-two issue, n- new number one issues from DC Comics, the relaunch of the DC Universe, and um, it started off with Justice League number one, which um, has sold over. I think it's now three hundred thousand copies or, or close to. It's in its fourth reprinting. Um, which is amazing and, and not surprising with new number ones coming out, especially Justice League having all the heroes uh, in the one book. Um, but this particular first issue saw Batman uh, meeting Green Lantern for the first time, 
And, uh, you know, obviously there's a bit of, you know, Batman just doesn't want to know about Green Lantern. Green Lantern is really cocky and, and sh- uh, self-assured, uh, and overly self-assured, if you like. And uh, they, they're chasing what appears to be some kind of an alien creature. Uh, and um, I guess for those who know about DC Comics, it, it seems to be a parademon or something in, in tune with the dark side and the fourth world. And um, being an alien creature, they automatically assume that it may have something to do with Superman, who both have never met before either, but they know he's in Metropolis, and they obviously know that he's an alien, and they head to Metropolis, and uh, the confrontation with Superman is uh, what we're going to see in the second issue. I'm very excited about seeing that confrontation. You know, this whole uh, release of, of, of the number one, starting with Justice League and running through 52 new books, uh, obviously has created a lot of interest. I, I will say for me, I was excited about it. I was looking forward to it. Sure, I had the same dis- the same disappointments, the same um, uh, concerns that a mm-hmm. lot of people had. Uh, some people take them to one extreme. Some take them to the other. I was trying to stay positive and be excited about it. But, you know, um, one thing that I do have, uh, at least it seems like, a lot of these books – you know, it doesn't really – I don't really get the impression that there's going to be a way to sustain 52 quality books that will keep getting bought if if even some of the lesser-known ones are getting bought in the first place. I haven't looked at the other numbers. I don't know how books like Dead Man or, or you know, well, some actually, of the lesser-known ones. DC Comics came out with a press release uh, just as we're about to go to air – just as we're recording this. Uh, saying that all 52 number ones have sold out their first printings. So, um, I mean, that's great for them. And whether or not that continues on, I guess we'll need to wait, you know, a couple of months to see how uh, the selling value of, uh, you know, the numbers for the sales of those uh, particular titles, as you said, all 52, how they pan that's out. very good news. Yeah, but... That's, they, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's good news for the comic industry. Obviously, we're not getting any of the money. It doesn't really change our <laughs> lives. But, but uh, I mean... I had to go, for me. I, I have a budget. I got to stay on. I got to yeah. buy certain comics. I got to decide what I'm going to do. And and as these weeks have gone by, and as I've seen covers, and as I've gone to my comic store and looked at the inside of some of the books I didn't have on my list, I've added a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm reading uh, Resurrection Man, which uh, you know this is a Superman uh, uh, radio show, but Resurrection Man was great. The art was great. The art is what pulled me in. I saw some art online, and I said, "You know what? Add this to my list. If I don't like the story, I'll buy one book, and I, you know, I'll know that I, it's not for me." But I loved it. You know, I've never read Resurrection Man before. I had a general idea of what he was, and uh, I thought it was really cool. And mm-hmm. the art is great, and the quality is good. The same as what I'm seeing with the Superman books that I'm reading, and I think if they can keep that up, uh, and they're sold out already. Uh, obviously, number ones are going to sell better. People yeah. think that they have some sort of uh, value that's going to come in down the road, but but hopefully people get ho- hopefully they read them and they get hooked and they want to keep buying them. You know, a book like Hawk and Dove, me personally, I didn't have an interest in, and I don't know what market is going for that other than the idea that people want to buy all the number ones so they sell out. Plus, uh, there were a lot of deals online and in stores if you bought the entire set of number ones. I think the best deal was you got them for like 60% wow. of what you would pay for them, 100% or whatever. And then some people had them $20 off or whatever if you bought the whole set. So there was a push to try and get people to buy them all. So I'm sure that helped the idea of them selling all 52 number ones yeah. out. Uh, but the ones I'm reading, I, I'm loving. 
Yeah, and uh, then Action Comics number one, which is obviously a big thing for Superman fans, being a new Action Comics number one, uh, was uh, was next cab off the rank for us as, as far as reading was concerned. And uh, we had a, a young Superman uh, confronting a, a corrupt businessman and uh, basically you know, doing what he did in the 1930s and 1940s, you know, dangling him from a high uh, position and you know, jumping off a ledge with him and, and you know, pretty much making him confess to his uh, criminal activities. And um, it, really, it really harkened back to, to that old-style Superman, to the Golden Age Superman. And um, you know, he's young, he's, he's brash, he's, uh, you know, he's pretty confident in, in, in himself and he's running the police on a, on a wild goose chase and trying to keep a step ahead of them. And um, he knows Jimmy Olsen, he's friends with Jimmy Olsen, but he's, you know, Clark's working at the, at the Daily Star where uh, Jimmy and Lois are working at the Daily Planet, so they're not yet colleagues. Uh, I don't think Lois has actually even met Clark yet. Um, and, um, you know, he's, he's trying to pay the rent. He's living in an apartment building. Um, he's, you know, pretty friendly with the landlady and that, you know, he, she, she's an older lady and he's, you know, she, he ha- shows her respect and, um, you know, but at the end of the book where kind of, it kind of caught me by surprise because, um, you know, he saves this runaway train that's, uh, that's, you know, being, uh, was, you know, almost like a terrorist act, if you like, of, you know, being, uh, made a, as a runaway train, and uh, it actually knocks him out and traps him, and is now going to be in the uh, in the hands of uh, of the police. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Is that enough to say? I mean, I don't <laughs> want to say too much because I did cover this on Great Scott last week or two weeks ago. Uh, but I mean, uh, a lot of people, and obviously, it, it it has it has electrified the fan base. One way or another, a lot of people are are saying, uh, you know, obviously Grant Morrison doesn't get it. This isn't Superman. Superman doesn't beat people down. Superman doesn't break people's ribs. Superman doesn't throw people through walls or onto pianos. And I agree with all those statements for for the Superman we have been used to over the last 15 years, 20 years or so. Uh, But here's the thing. It takes a while to get there. It takes some time to understand that that's the case. So... I like that they added the line in the story that the cop said four months ago this guy couldn't even do what he could do now. And now it's been another four months, and and he's got more power. So four months down the road, he's going to have yet more power. So Clark himself has to – has to learn like a fisherman learns how to give up some line to let the fish loose a little bit and then pulls them back in and keeps them on the line. So, you know, you don't just yank immediately and then the fish is gone. You know, he has to learn what, what give and take he can go through with his powers, what, what is allowable and what based on his current power level is going to do to someone. Yeah. You know, four months ago, he might've thrown that guy into the wall and he would have just hit it and, and, and fell onto the floor. Uh, and now maybe we didn't see this in the story, but what I'm saying is maybe now he throws him against a plaster wall, but instead of hitting it and falling down, he goes through it, which might even be better because at least it has some give. But I mean, I don't think that that was a, a marble wall. I mean, I don't think it was a steel wall. I think it was uh, clearly it was one of those types of walls that has some beams running down underneath that you can't see. And he threw him in through a part that was a little bit hollow. 
and I have those in my living room. I, you know, <laughs> if you go along the wall, you know where the studs are, and that's yeah. where you hang your television. But there are parts where if you put a nail through it, it would just go all the way through, and it would come in and out, and there would be no purchase. I think that that is that's kind of the idea of where he threw him. The piano, I can't. <clears throat> there isn't really a way that I can explain that. Uh, it just is what it is. He was mad. He's upset that there are people getting away with things. He's not going to stand for it, even if the police are, and even if the police are able to be bought off, even if they're crooked, or even if they're not. They're unable or unwilling to go in there and do what needs to be done. We don't know how long this has gone on. We don't know if somebody Superman knows personally was affected, and and I don't think he cares. I think he is standing for justice and standing up for the oppressed, no matter who disagrees, and I think he hasn't quite gone outside the boundaries of what I find acceptable, but that's for me. Everybody has their own thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I think a guy who beats his wife needs to be beat down. And, 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 you know, if I wasn't such a coward, I might step up and beat the guy down. But, you know, I'm, I stay at home in my recliner chair. Superman, on the other hand, goes out, is proactive and does what needs to be done. The police aren't doing it. Metropolis is out of control. It's a much darker metropolis that we've seen before. And maybe five years from now when Superman is in his new costume, Metropolis will be more like the metropolis we saw last month. Uh, you know, the city of tomorrow, the city that's cleaned up, the city that's bright and cheery. But it'll be because Superman uh, starts doing what needs to be done early. And then and then people down the road get the idea, look, we're not going to be able to get away with things out in the open like this anymore. And that's where maybe you get things like intergang and things like people underground and things like Lex Luthor going behind closed doors and, and getting other people to do his dirty work for him. Because now there's somebody there that wasn't there before that isn't willing to allow it to go on. Yeah, so we just need to wait and see just how Action Comics grows into uh, the Superman that uh, maybe is more in line with what people have become used to, you know, in the last uh, 10, 20, 30 years. So, um, I yeah. also love how they, you know, Grant Morrison said, this is this book is called Action Comics, and we're going to have action. Yeah, this exactly. Gonna, and it was pretty much nonstop from the beginning. There was a small scene where he met the landlady or whatever, and that's okay. But, I mean, it was it, it kept me on the edge of my seat. I read it again right after. I haven't read a comic immediately after I want to say ever. I've read comics twice, but never in the same sitting do I do I go back. And and I've done it now with almost every book of the number ones that I've read. And I think that that just speaks volumes to what they're doing and, and the plan and how it's working, at least for me. Yeah, and then uh, Superboy number one uh, was interesting. It uh, it's obviously you know uh, a different take on the character. I mean, we've got Superboy as a clone. He's in a tank. Uh, he's Part Kryptonian, part human. We don't know, but we're hinted at who the human um, DNA donor was. But um, Superman is definitely the, um, the the donor of the of the Kryptonian DNA that's created Superboy, and he's put through some kind of a, um, a virtual reality uh, sequence, if you like, where they're trying to gauge his reactions to certain things and wondering why he's not showing any superhero or, or heroic tendencies. Uh, you know, in those VR sequences, yet he knows it's a virtual reality. So you've got to wonder whether or not he's actually even, you know, worried about what's going on around him when he knows it's not real. Well, that's the thing. And that's, I mean, that's for me, that that's where it lost all uh, attention because 
when I first read it and when I got to that page, I thought, hmm, that's interesting. They're going the route where he doesn't care that there's a woman on fire. But that was before I knew it was virtual yeah, reality. And exactly. It was before I knew that he knew it was virtual reality. Once they said that he knew all that, the only thing now that makes sense is that the scientists don't realize that he's able to read their minds and knows that they're putting him through virtual reality. Yeah. He can hear what they're saying. He can – sometimes he gets thoughts it seems like, which wasn't a power as far as I know that Superboy had before. But he has some version of telepathy. I don't think – it doesn't seem like it's fully developed. doesn't seem like it's going to be full conversations. But he does seem to get snippets of ideas from people on yeah. the outside even when they're not speaking. So they may not know that – clearly they don't know that he knows and that's really the only thing – uh, that that keeps them wondering why he just doesn't care. But I wouldn't care either if I was in a virtual reality, um, and I was being held prisoner. I mean, I would I would go about my time there in whatever way interested me. Uh, yeah. Whatever you know, this and this Rose uh, seems to interest him, so yeah. he uh, well, is paying she, attention to her. Yeah, well, she's she's a real character who's been inserted into the VR. So maybe he actually understands the fact that she's a real person and therefore focuses on her in the virtual reality because he knows that uh, his interactions with her are actually uh, meaningful. She's the only one who matters. No yeah. one, you know, everybody else is, you know, it's like playing a game on your computer and and really getting upset when some villagers die in your civilization game. I mean, you know, you get upset because you got to start over or whatever, but are you really <laughs> heartbroken? I mean, it's a game. Yeah. And that's what virtual reality, I guess, would be if if, if we had it to that extent. Yeah. You know, I don't think it would be something that would be all that surprising if if it didn't matter to me if someone was in their house and it was on fire. Yeah. Now, uh, Supergirl number one, um, I actually haven't read yet, uh, but uh, yeah, (laughs) I'm a little bit behind with that purchasing that one. But uh, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, she's basically, from what I read from the review, is she's she you know it's an awakening and then she fights. Right. Uh, did you now? Did you read the whole story synopsis, and so you pretty much know to exactly a degree. what happened? Yeah. Uh, first, I got to say, Superboy number one was my least favorite of the books I've okay. read, including Resurrection Man. Um, I don't mind the idea that Superboy that we're seeing this from a different angle. I actually don't even think it's all that different just yet, um, because we already knew he was a clone. So at some point, we do know that he had to wake up in a tank, and he is a mixture of human and, and, and Superman DNA, and that that human DNA is probably Lex Luthor. We haven't found that out in this version yet, but I'm guessing that's where they're going to go. So so far, it's 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 along the line of where I might expect. Where I was disappointed was at the end. It seemed that they were more interested in setting up the, the, the Teen Titans book, which I have added to my list already because yeah. I had already heard that Superboy was going to be the quote-unquote villain throughout most of the first year. And uh, I like some of the art I'm seeing from that, but I generally don't have an interest in teen books, in books about sure. the sidekicks, which is why I'm so excited about Young Justice because it's turned me around a little bit because it's so good. So if Teen Titans as a book is that good, I'm going to feel the same way. But it didn't seem to me, as did with Action Comics or with Supergirl, that this was a proper story opening for the character of Connor or Superboy as much as a setup for what was to come for the next year in another book that some people might not even buy, but now might feel compelled to buy because of that final panel, which I guess is a business move and they have to do and they're trying to get people to buy other books, but it seemed a little cheaper 
than the other books I've read in that manner, in that they were certainly going for that. Sure. Uh, but, you know, with Supergirl, you're right. It was kind of like a fight from beginning to end, and it was uh, it was similar to Action Comics in that it really didn't stop. You know, she crashes and, and gets up immediately, and from that point on, she's kind of three pages in being attacked and then to the end. But I really enjoyed it. I sure. The art is, is really good with the exception of – I thought it was a little weird because almost in every panel, Supergirl's nose changes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really noticeable. It's like the one, the one uh, shot that they've, they've had online for a while now of her in the snow kind of standing there slightly sideways looking to the left. Yep. Her nose looks really flat and kind of wide. But then you know, in, in some of the other shots, it doesn't look – that way it looks thin and long and then in some it looks really big and then in some it looks really girly and tiny and small so i'm not sure i I had to look back a few times to see if there were because sometimes what dc does is they have five artists and they do pages one through three and then they do four through six and but no it's the same artist all the way through so i'm not entirely sure why her look changes but i do know that for a number of years now i've heard jeffrey bridges saying on the supergirl books uh, and I I agree with them to that extent that they don't seem able to draw Supergirl as a convincing teen from one page to the next. Like, mm-hmm. say, you know, on some covers she looks 35, on other covers she looks 12. Yeah. So, you know, where exactly is she supposed to be? But I do think she looks beautiful in many of the panels I've seen. The meteor uh, shower at the very beginning. I mean, the art is just really spectacular. And I'm just hoping as I said with the other books, that this quality and this artwork continues um, as the books go on. Because if they can release these on time and they can keep this kind of quality up, I, I don't really see how how it can fail. Because it just, I mean, it's right now, it's just impressing me to the point where I have not been impressed with, with DC super, Superman-related books. I buy them because I love Superman and the stories have been okay, but I mean... The story, okay. You know, the actions, we're, right now we're just kind of jumping into it and the action is, is taking precedent right now. Uh, so, But the story still is there. I mean, she's lost. She doesn't know why she's here. She's very confused. She's obviously very sad and very afraid. And she doesn't realize she has these powers because she doesn't know what Earth is. She doesn't know that there's a yellow sun that's going to give her powers. You know, on the page, I think it's page five, the bottom of the page, she looks, she looks beautiful and she looks perfect in age and I like the story a lot. I knew it was coming at the end. Uh, I don't know what you know as far as exactly what happens, but I thought it was great. I thought the way they, they, they finished it off was really cool, and it sets it up for the – I don't really like the way it sounds like it's going for, for book two, but you know, uh, maybe there will be an understandable explanation. One thing that bothered me a little bit is that she's already in her Superman-inspired suit, which mm-hmm. means – it's less Superman inspired and more inspired by the same reasons that Superman's wearing his suit. In other words, Superman decides to model his suit after Kryptonian armor because he knows about it and he's trying to honor his heritage. Supergirl already arrives wearing that very suit. So she's kind of already, you know, I like the idea before where she came, uh, even though she was older than him, technically she was younger and now she was being taught by him and eventually she decides to wear the the red and blue mm. and and emulate 
her older, not really older, but older cousin. Yeah. And now it seems like uh, she's and, you know, they want to they want to establish some tension. So it looks like she's going to kind of have her own ideas and kind of go against him a little bit. And yeah. uh, she already has her uniform. OK, well, uh, that's the the books that came out as far as the Superman world of characters is concerned. Uh, as we go to, uh, to well, as this episode is launched on the Internet, um, Wednesday, the 28th of September is the day that uh, Superman number one and Teen Titans number one are both released. Um, and obviously we'll discuss those comic books in the next podcast of Radio KAL. But uh, obviously Teen Titans ties in with the end of Superboy number one, and uh, Superman is set uh, approximately five years after what we've seen in Action Comics number one. So uh, both interesting comics, and uh, we'll uh, review those uh, in depth uh, next podcast. But uh, moving away from comic books, we've got uh, the DC Universe Online game, which uh, you were playing at one point uh, up until the uh, the free trial ran out. But now it goes to free-to-play uh, for uh, anyone who's interested in playing DC Universe. They have uh, three, uh, I guess, subscription possibilities. There's the free-to-play. There's um, a, a paid version. Um, just trying to look up the what it is here. We've got... Um, Okay, there's a free-to-play, a premium, and a legendary um, access level. Um, so uh, obviously you get uh, more for the paid-up paid versions. But uh, I think that's exciting that there's a free-to-play uh, variety of uh, DC Universe Online for those who want to get involved with the game or stay involved with the game after their free trial ran out. It is exciting. Um uh, I'm definitely going to go back in once October hits. I'm going to check it out, and uh, if if there's been a lot added, or if there have been some changes, if it's if it compels me to continue or to purchase some of the uh, upgraded plans, uh, the idea being that you get more if you're playing premium, you get other quests, you get to advance further than some of the free players do. I think this might have been a better way to launch, just because there are so many people that somehow still don't seem to understand how MMOs generally work. Yeah. Generally, you do have to pay the 49 or the $59 to buy the box. That's that's you know, it's been going on that way since computers and and now now that they're bringing MMOs to the to the consoles, uh, in general, that's what you need to expect when it's going to be a, an MMO because there are teams of developers on games. They the games cost lots of money. Some of these games have budgets as big as 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 uh, Hollywood blockbusters, and some of them make as much money or more than Hollywood blockbusters do. It's a gigantic industry, and most games the developers work on it for a period of three or four years. They release it, and then that's it. So you buy it, you play it to the end, and then you're done with it. If you really love it, maybe you play it two or three times. Maybe there's some extra stuff in there you didn't find the first time. But with an MMO, they need these developers to keep working because people want new content. People want new characters. People want the, the game to keep expanding. And there are some issues because it's a live game, because there are live people playing it all together at the same time. There are glitches. Computers have glitches. As expensive as you think it is, as as uninterested as you are in paying the money if you're not going to get a perfect experience, sometimes there are times where your character is going to be stuck in a wall. Uh, a car is going to have you pinned in somewhere you're not going to be able to get out. You're not going to be able to finish a mission because one of the pop one of the mission points doesn't show up. And, and that's when a dev needs to jump into the game and come and save you, come and fix it. 
and they need these people there. They need to continue paying them, and they're releasing episodes monthly, and they're releasing content every four months or so. So there's stuff still going on more so than in any other than any normal type game. So yeah. the idea that you're not going to have a fee with an MMO is generally going to be considered absurd, although there are some that are free to play, and generally what happens is you play them, and they are what they are, and they're finished, and, and you know... But uh, I like the idea of having three levels because uh, if you do want to keep paying, you're going to get access to more of the stuff. You're going to get more of the addable content. And also, from what I understand, there are going to be uh, pay-to-get versions too. Like you don't have to take one of the – you could just buy through the store you know, one of the mission packs or one of the next things that comes out you know, and then you would have that as well. But, but you could buy it individually. In some some of the things, I'm not sure how it's going to be, but yeah, it's one of those things where the store is always open. You can change at any time. You can be free. You can buy certain items, certain weapons, certain missions, or you can buy the medium or the higher plan, and that will give you more access all the time on a regular basis. Yep, so if you're interested in the free-to-play access levels, go to dcuniverseonline.com forward slash free and find out more details there. Um, but I would like to add before you move on, yeah. I'm sorry, that – and this is my opinion, and I and I may get slapped in the mouth for this. It seems to me that a game that was super successful, a game that had subscribers, a game that was making money monthly on a constant basis, wouldn't suddenly say, you know what, let's go free to play. Because if they're already making the money they need and they're making tons of dollars, there'd be no reason to do that. So it's my impression that it's kind of a backpedaling because it's not working the way they wanted it to and mm. they're not getting the business that they would like. Although there could also be something to be said for bringing in some people who were against paying to play for free and then maybe by playing for free, they will get convinced that they want to buy some of the other stuff. So maybe I'm wrong on that. It could be could be either way. A way to do that, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, before we move into the big question segment of the show, uh, Michael Bailey and I have been doing some Radio KL live broadcasts uh, through blogtalkradio.com. We will be showing you or uh, giving you some uh, snippets from two episodes that we've done already, but um, we look like we'll be going to uh, doing that weekly from now on, on a Monday night at 9.30 Pacific Standard Time in the U.S., so um, keep an eye out for the announcements on the Superman homepage and uh, keep an ear out for the live versions of Radio KL where we uh, basically do a half hour or possibly an hour show where we just uh, talk Superman and let you guys, our listeners, call in and, and have a chat with us on air um, in a, a show that everyone can listen to and it's broadcast around the world live on the internet. It's really cool, everybody. Uh, I, I joined in a little bit. I called in. I heard some of the other callers. It is live. You can call in. You can interact directly. And, uh, of course, we, you know, Steve and, and Michael record it and finish it and edit it and then use it wherever they're going to use it. But as you're doing it, it's live. Just as Steve and I are live now having a conversation back and forth, you can call in and have a conversation back and forth. And it's, it's really cool. So give it a shot. And uh, the information's on the site. Excellent. Now, uh, let's move into the big questions segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Uh, Last month's big question was, what do you think of the Superman costume for Man of Steel? Yep. Starla Bowes wrote, I like the costume. He looks like Superman to me. I think Henry Cavill is really cute, and I think he will be a good Superman. I can't wait to see the movie. 
I really like the way it looks. Wow, she has exactly my, uh, you know, I would have wrote that myself. That's exactly the way I feel. So you think Henry Cavill's really cute? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, her father, Calvin, who I'm sure would be giving her a slap on the wrist for being a young girl looking at a, an older man, um, wrote, Sometimes I wish the internet didn't exist. In the old days, you waited till the film came out to decide whether it was good, and if people boycotted a film, it was based on a moral decision. Like Clayton Moore losing his Lone Ranger mask, but now people get mad because of just a few promo pictures and we don't truly know this is what it will look like in the final film. The costume is fine. I like that it has a bigger S, but I still will wait for the film to judge. Wow. Yeah. He, he, like, he like said exactly what I would have typed in. <laughs> well, you know, you must, have, uh, you must have an affinity with the Bose family. I think I do. Brendan Savinsky wrote, or Savinsky, Hi, guys. One word, contemporary. These movies are marketing campaigns for the comics, so they need to make him look as close to the comics as possible, so they need to update the costume. Besides, we all knew the red trunks would not last forever. Overall, I think it looks fantastic, and I'm glad they went the route of the comics. That way fans aren't confused if they decide to go to their comic shops, because by then the relaunch will be in full swing, and so will the suit. Keep up the good work. Mm, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if the new look in the comic books sticks around till 2013 or whether or not uh, they end up going back with Red Trunks. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting that the, the comics and the movie's costume uh, have a similarity in that they've both removed the, the red briefs. Uh, yeah, I certainly had that idea, too. It did look like that's what they were going for. I mean, yeah, a bit of I don't get the impression that it's armor, but it does look like it has some of the same seams. It does kind of look like a similar design. Yep. Uh, John wrote uh, i like the new costume but i do think the blue is too dark and without the red underwear the trunks briefs it looks like it's something like something is missing besides the brief it just looks like it's unfinished also with red briefs it might make the blue not look as dark when you have brighter color against a dark color it makes the darker color not look as dark so overall i like it but without the red trunks it's missing something so i think it's missing something (laughs) it's definitely a common um thread that i have heard people feel like even if they like it something it just something is not quite right about it yeah uh and some of that might be just the feeling that 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 you're gonna miss uh, what you've known as superman your whole life but it also may be an aesthetic thing you're looking at it and saying it doesn't quite look finished it looks you know they talk talk, in photography they talk about balancing out your photo making it you know a certain way so that the eye is drawn to the right spot and so that it's not crooked or off kilter and and I can see what people are saying when they say something might be missing. It's 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 almost imbalanced with without the red down down in the spot where we're used to it being. Hector wrote, "I like it. Maybe it's a costume that Superman first wears when he becomes Superman, and later in the movie we will see the suit everybody wants to see. Either way, it should be good. Keep up the good work." Thank you, Hector. Uh, next was Le- David Landon, who wrote, The Superman costume for Man of Steel looks like Superman to me. Do you know anyone else who wears a blue bodysuit with a red cape and red boots? Me either. The red trunks aren't uh, make or break deal. Anyway, the quality of the film will depend more on good writing, acting and directing than costume design. I'm still optimistic and I'm looking forward to seeing Man of Steel opening night in 2013. And I completely agree with you, David. I, I think the writing, the acting... And the directing and the overall look of the movie are what's going to be important and, and not the costuming. Yep. 
Uh, now, we have one late entry. Um, Guthrie McLean uh, got in just before we recorded this and wrote, I think Henry looks fantastic. I like, like what they've done with the hair, regardless of the first photo, but in the set photos, he looks awesome. As for the rest of Cavill's suit, it still resembles Superman to me. I love the S, the brightness of the cape, and his muscular look. He looks like he literally stepped out of the comic book pages. I can't wait to see this guy fly and kick ass or kick ass. Nice. Yeah. Now, um, as I said before, we did Radio KL Live. We've done two shows uh, at, at this point in time. And uh, here are a few audio answers from the live broadcast uh, in which we asked people about the question what they thought about the Man of Steel costume as well as uh, some other thoughts about the new comic book. So uh, here are some of those uh, recordings from Radio KL Live. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Radio KAL Live, the live broadcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. Obviously, our topic is what you think of of the costume for Man of Steel. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? To me, he looks like Superman. Um, He he has a blue suit. He has a red cape. He has a big S on his chest. Um, Whenever we got some of the the views of him without the cape, we could see sort of the detailed lining on his abdomen and on his back. Mm-hmm. Not entirely sure what's going on there, but it's going to be pretty much all covered up by the cape, so it doesn't really matter that much. I love it. I think Excellent. it's brilliant. I, I think the redesign they've done on, on both the comics Superman, which this ties in reasonably well with, and you know, except for the belt, and the, the new movie Superman, I think they've done such a good job because they, to be fair, I mean, Superman is this, this iconic character that everybody knows. And everybody loves, and everybody knows he's always around and always there. But it doesn't help his comic sales or his movie sales. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because people can get too used to a character. Sure. So I think the idea of, you know, of reinventing, of, of sprucing him up a bit, you know, giving him a, a, a new costume or something for, a, you know, even for a couple of years. I mean, they've done that several times in the comics. I think it's a great idea because it gets people, say, okay, they're doing something with different with Superman. Why do I, you know, why are they doing this? I want to see it. I want to see where they're going with it. Superman Returns, you know, brought people into the theaters. I mean, it, 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 if you make a Superman film, people will go and see it, especially, you know, in the case of Superman Returns, when the character had been absent from movies for nearly 19 years and now this has a lot of light on it. I thought it was really smart of them to release the look of the costume so early just to kind of get that out of the way. Um, the trick is to give them something to come back to. A lot of people think, well, Superman is, you know, he's too square. He's not hip. He's not a, a Wolverine. He's not a Spider-Man or something like that. He's yeah. just a, a big blue Boy Scout. Sure. And... And people just think that he's like that, but they don't understand the depth of of of, of character he's he, he's had over the last seventy some odd years. He's been a he's he's been everything to everyone, mostly a a, a role model, a hero, uh, from from Kirk Allen all the way up to um, well to uh, Brandon Routh, as it were, if you know people don't like that movie, some people don't, some people do. Exactly. But I just kind of think that they do they do this because it's it's 
you know, they just need it. And if and change is good. Change, you know, they needed to change Superman because a lot of the stories of the last, well, I don't know, last several years have just been stale, and then people just, you know, it's another reason reason people just don't care about about Superman in the way that, um, you know, every, all all real true Superman fans would love sure. love that character like that. Okay, there you have it. Now, uh, as I said, keep an eye out for uh, announcements regarding the next uh, Radio KL Live broadcast. The next one will actually be on the 3rd of October at, uh, on uh, the Monday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, sorry, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, so uh, check out that. Michael Bailey will be hosting that. And uh, I think, Scotty, you might be uh, co-hosting it with him if you're available because I will be away uh, that night, so um, Michael will be uh, co- hosting that show, possibly with Scotty V as a co-host. Yes, I've been speaking with Michael about that, and that certainly looks like what we're going to be doing. So definitely uh, call in, join us. It's going to be an interesting discussion with the new big question. What do you think of DC Comics' new 52 books so far? In particular, Justice League, Action Comics, Superman, Supergirl, and Superboy. Yes, uh, let us know what you think of the new 52 comic books from DC Comics, specifically the Superman family of books, and you can get involved with the Big Question segment of the show by clicking on the Big Question button found at the Superman homepage. Um, Also, you can uh, send an audio answer in if you'd like to record an audio answer, or you can wait till Radio KL Live on Monday nights and uh, let us know in the live broadcast, and we may uh, use a snippet from your answer there in a future Radio Kale podcast. Lois's struggles continue. Your, your family is unique. That may be the nicest thing anyone's ever said about them. <laughs> they aren't without their faults. But then none of us are. I know. It's just, they're never going to change. And I should accept it and look past it and forgive them. And Lucy. But I can't. Captain Sawyer's troubles move from bad to worse. (sighs) Give me another. You sure? If I wasn't sure, I wouldn't have asked. And the House of L is about to meet their host. Holy crap! Kara, look, down at the far end. Where? Telescopic vision's barely focusing. There's some kind of luxury box that's got to be the person behind all this. Well, who the hell is it? He's standing up. Join the fray in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 81, on September 28, 2011, only at PendantAudio.com. Metallo struggles with his newfound fame. Oh, man, even a stupid school newspaper's talking about it. Front page. What can I say? Students love their coffee. And in the middle of a chaotic battle... Quit fighting and run! Ow! Hey, there's a... Giant space beastie thing behind you. 
Superman and Supergirl find that not everyone wants their help. I don't have time for this. Unhand me, you well. Tune in to Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, episode 53, coming September 28th at PendantAudio.com. Now, there's no more ba- Bailey's Bookshelf. Uh, Michael Bailey uh, is uh, done doing the Bailey's Bookshelf, but uh, being co-host of Radio KL Live, uh, we'll be using uh, snippets from that show on in this podcast monthly. So um, look for those snippets uh, with Michael co-hosting, um, as we did earlier in the show tonight. Well, once you've read every single uh, graphic novel that's based in the Superman universe and reviewed it, as Michael Bailey has done, there really is no need to continue with uh, a bookshelf where yeah, you review. Yeah, exactly. It's so. pretty much run out of books to, That's to it. review. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Super secret soundbite time. Last month's sound came from the 1940s Superman radio series, The Atomic Beam Machine, episode to be exact, which aired on February 26th. 1940. Yes. Now he didn't have to give us the fact that you know what the that it was an atomic beam machine episode, but um, as long as he said it was from the 1940s radio series, uh, you were deemed to be correct. And there were th- three people who guessed it correctly. Who were they? They were Brend- Brand- Brendan Savinsky, Mike Potit, and T. David Brown. Your prizes are in the mail. Uh, <laughs> we're going to call it the the, the Baldy Award. The, yeah. the, yes, the Baldy Award. Baldy Award. Well, well done to those three people. Let's see if uh, they and more can guess which uh, part of the Superman universe this sound comes from. Until I met you, I, I never had a best friend. Well, if you think you know where in the Superman universe uh, that sound came from, Use the super secret sound by entry form found at the Radio KL webpage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KL podcast. By the way, there are no prizes. I'm just joking. <laughs> and I don't think there was ever an actual Baldy Award. I think they were joking too, but uh, just to let you know. <laughs> yeah, just in case. A little disclaimer there. That's right. <laughs> Our new... Uh, Superman song uh, for this month's show is Oh Superman by experimental performance artist and musician Laurie Anderson from her 1982 debut album, Big Science. This half-sung, half-spoken track unexpectedly rose to number two on the UK singles charge in 1981. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting song. It's a bit, uh, bit weird, but uh, see what you make of it. Uh, here is Oh Superman by Laurie Anderson. Superman. Oh, John. 
right now, but if you want to leave a message, just start talking at the sound of the tone. Oh, 
injustice is gone. There's always force. And when force is gone, there's always love. Well, that's the show for another month. Um, remember, you can get involved with the Radio KL podcast by sending in some suggestions. Uh, maybe there's a topic you think we should be covering uh, in a future podcast. Maybe there's a song you'd like to request. Or uh, maybe there's a big question like us to pose to the Superman fandom. All those suggestions can be sent to us. You can email me via steve at supermanhomepage.com. You can email Scotty via scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we will endeavour to use those suggestions in future shows. But for now, that's the show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. And remember, everybody, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com.